Welcome to Georgia Songbirds. We are here with Miss Emily Stewart. Uh, Emily, if you don't know, she was part of the Georgia versus North Carolina singers songwriter showdown. It's always a mouthful. Uh, introduce yourself, Emily. Hey, y'all. I'm uh, Emily. I'm from originally from South Alabama, but I live in Greensboro, North Carolina now. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about a Viking funeral. I, I want to get that before I forget. Oh, so. not if not even a funeral. It's a baby. I'm here in North Georgia because my cousin's baby is having a a Viking initiation. He's like five months old. His name is Baby Buck. <laughs> and uh, and actually, it's his dad's birthday is tomorrow, so I think they're doing it at the birthday party. Oh, but wow. now, what is a Viking? I I told my mama I would document this whole thing because we have no idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> like when you say Viking, like oh, I automatically think of the the, the fire, you know, the funeral. Yeah. Stuff. I told my wife that's exactly how I want to go, Game of Thrones <laughs> style. Just burn me, put me down. Yeah, I know they don't plan to set the baby on fire. Thank I know God. that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious. I'm gonna have to look that up to see what it is. Yeah. I want I want the video. Or you have to you have to post it if they'll let you. You know for everybody because that's that's interesting (laughs) yeah i've got twins that are about to be 12 and i wonder if i could do it for 12 year olds whatever it is i'm curious i imagine so i mean yeah (laughs) i mean it seems awful young to be doing it at five months but (laughs) right no my it's gonna be a little helmet they're gonna put them on a little little sheep and let them charge and like the rodeo for the kids you know they'll put them on the bulls they put them on the sheep and let them run I reckon so. Yeah. Apparently they, they do a pretty good grill out at a Viking initiation. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> See, it is so funny that like we were talking before, like when you did the, the contest, you were actually neck and neck with Kevin. Kevin's been on the show. Oh, too, yeah. He was great. It was so funny because one day you're ahead, next day he's ahead. And then it's funny because after I cut it off, the next day you were actually past him. And then now he got back. It's so funny. So, I mean, you're, you're very talented. We know that. I know that. And the people that have heard the the podcast or watched the uh, showdown know that you're talented. So tell everybody how you got started, a little bit about yourself. Well, um, besides that you're Viking related somehow. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I, um, I mean, I, as a kid, I really just, I briefly played piano and then my brother started doing it and writing songs. I was like, oh, he's the musician of the family. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I'd never, uh, you know, I, I never really picked it back up. I kind of just left that. And then um, I got hit by a tractor driving down Friendly Avenue in Greensboro just a long time after that. And uh, I was out of work for five months and just had a dusty guitar that I'd had probably sitting around for five years or so mm-hmm. and kind of picked it up. A buddy of mine would come over and we would... Uh, you know, play old country tunes and gospel tunes and stuff like that. And uh, eventually, I got so mad at him when he booked the first show. It was like, we, we better start writing. Right. <laughs> but I'm so glad he did because I, I probably never would have. Somebody would definitely have to drag me on stage for that to work out <laughs> and end up happening. And I thrive well on pressure, so I kind of needed that to focus in. You said a tractor, like a John Deere? Like uh, I don't know what brand it was. was. It I mean, was like a, a tractor tractor or like a tractor construction trailer? front loader tractor. Okay. 
Yeah, it was how did, big. Okay, I, that's, how did you get hit by a tractor? I'm very curious. I was just driving down Friendly Avenue, and this guy didn't have, he was crossing the road without the first flagman or stop sign or anything, and I couldn't see him because, you know, I thought maybe somebody was turning in the left mm-hmm. lane and because uh, the cars were stopped there, but apparently, yeah, they were stopped because this guy was, was just crossing. And uh, he said it was the fourth time that it happened to him, not in ge- not in general in his life, but on Friendly Avenue. I was right. like, <laughs> it might be time for you to find a new job. <laughs> yes, I had. It's funny you said that. My my first wreck that I had as a kid, I was like 16 years old. Uh, I had I had a tractor. Now this guy, this was it was kind of a weird situation because you know when you came in the main road, we come down Vine Road, mm-hmm. the house on the with a lake. So I'm turning to get on the highway, right? Well. I'm going right, so I'm looking left. I'm not even looking right in front of me. I do a lot of hand movement, by the way, so. <laughs> but I'm looking left, so I just pull out, and bam, I hit this tractor. Oh. It was coming across the road, coming down the, and at 7.30 in the morning, going the wrong way down the road, I hit it, and I'm like, as I think back on it, it's like, he probably shouldn't have been there at 7. They might have been still on the tractor. But I was so young, and I was just, it scared me that I hit a, I had oh, an accident. Yeah, I mean, those things are big. They pack some punch. Yep. It is not <laughs> to be messed with. And I didn't do any damage to the tractor. <laughs> yeah, generally the tractor will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a, like, Honda Civic, I think. So I, I took a, I think I had an, I still have a neck injury from that. Really? Mm-hmm. So he hit you pretty good. Oh, yeah. He didn't see me. I didn't see him. Neither, I think, until it was too late. So, But, I, yeah, I had to quit waiting tables. And just, I probably wouldn't be playing music if that had never happened. Cool. So. They, they always <laughs> say God works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Right? So, now, is music your full-time job now? So, um, I, main, I play music and I do energy healing um, okay. and tarot readings. I, so, I kind of have you know, do both in tandem and it works well because I can, you know, I do Reiki and vibrational therapy with tuning forks like and tarot by appointment. And then, you know, if I'm leaving town to play a bunch of shows, I mm-hmm. can just schedule around that. So it okay. works out pretty well. Um, explain how that works a little bit. Like you, you said tuning forks now. How, how yeah. does like hit them on the back or something with a tuning fork? How does that work? <laughs> I don't hit anybody. <laughs> <laughs> The um, so the vibrations of the tuning forks actually can sense stuck emotions in the energy field, and those will lead over time to health problems and other issues. And so the the energy field of a human is kind of like a tree ring, and you can even you know a lot of times I'll come to a spot and somebody's uh, you know I, one time I I came on a spot right around what I you know estimated to be like age 21 something like that in their energy field and I said what you know it was at their root chakra I said what what happened during that time in your life where you were just you know didn't feel safe or secure or grounded in any way they're like well I was homeless during that time so it's amazing what you can pick up on just sheerly from the sound of the tuning fork will change I mean you they can hear it I can hear it too it's yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> now I I know like when I was I had my back surgery they they had to find like my nerves were so they did like uh, acupuncture mm-hmm. and they would see with a nerve and they put needles like all over me 
And it's funny to watch how one little needle in a certain spot would make your arm jump. Mm -hmm. Or it would, like, they put a needle, like, I think somewhere in my back, if I remember right, and my leg just went flat. I couldn't move it. So, I mean, it's so strange. And, like, when I hear stuff like like that, it's like, I'm curious because I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. Yeah. I imagined in my mind, and I know it's not, you hit him with a fork and (laughs) it's vibrated (laughs) over Well, there is, yeah. Well, the meridians are, like, the points through which a lot of energy flows. So that's where they would put a needle in acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And that's also, like, there is a tuning fork technique where... Uh, they have weighted forks that kind of send the vibration into the body. So you could okay. put the, like the fork end would be out from the body and the, uh, you would place the end of it on like the meridian that you were trying to work on and strike the vibration. And that goes into the meridian, which has a powerful effect similar to acupuncture. Okay. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's one other technique. There's okay. a couple different ways to do it, but... It's cool. I was really surprised when I got into it at how specific all of it gets and what that's, all you can do. That's like I said. There's so many things that that, that I'm. I always tell people, you know, I'm a hillbilly by choice. I live. At, I don't know any better. I'm just as how I am. There's things out there that I would never even have thought of, and like I said, that was one of them. There was a, um, and you may know the name of it. There is a, um, like people use like regular massage, but there's something else. It's called Reiki. Maybe. Like hands where you lay hands. Yes. And yeah, that's the other thing I do. Okay. Yeah, it's powerful as well. See, and and I'm, I'm very, I was very skeptical because I had like a, a nerve damage. Like I do have mm-hmm. nerve damage. So, but this, this lady Kate was a friend of ours. She did that, and I, I'll be damned if it didn't work. I was like, wow, I can actually move. I can go run again. It was, it was cool. Yeah, when you have sort of blocked energy in an area, it can help just open up the flow. How did you get into this? Um, well, so I had a friend who is a spiritual healer who does similar work who, um, I told her, I was like, this is really weird, but every time my mama starts driving this way from Alabama, you know, and she's the type that might not call you till she gets to Asheville to tell you she's coming to North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> but even before I knew she was coming, my knee, you know, she was having knee troubles at the time. My knee would start hurting. Uh-huh. And then slowly, as she got closer, it would start hurting more throughout the day. And then I would get that call. I was like, I knew something was up. <laughs> but she said feeling like the sensation of feeling other people's pain is a sort of uh, a signal that that you have a an aptitude for healing, okay. and that it's something that you know if you can pick up on that, then you could probably do this. Cause she was like, you should just train and do Reiki, and you know, if nothing else, you can help your mama. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that sold me on it. <laughs> <laughs> now you said tarot cards. Is that like is that like um, the the what they call oh the, like the the picture card that you do. Yeah, they have um, images of archetypes okay. on them, and um, basically, yeah, you just you lay out a spread based on like you might do past, present, and future, or something like that. That okay. um, and the card that ends up in each place sort of tells a, a a story, gives you clues, and then your intuition flows and and tells you things kind of in between what the cards are telling you. Okay. Now, is there like a shuffle technique that you do every time, or is it? So it is, I mean, it doesn't really matter how you shuffle, but you do want to sort of get used to 
having a routine and doing it yeah. the same way because you know that when the energy starts flowing and the cards are kind of falling into the place where they need to be, mm-hmm. it's good for, you know, it's almost like if you have a ritual surrounding okay. it, the cards know where to fall. That's so cool. Like I said, I, I know you came up here for music, but you started telling me all this other cool stuff that you do <laughs> that I'm, I have no earthly idea how it works. So it's I, wild. I, I didn't understand any of it till I got into it. And I've, I mean, I've been amazed the whole way along <laughs> just seeing how all this stuff works. People tell me, you know, wild stories about, you know, I, I talked to a lady, uh, a client the other day who, uh, she was asking me, you know, should I, should I do this, this job in North Carolina or I guess leave my job you know which place should I work I was Mm -hmm. like do not get a like you need to quit your job like today (laughs) not and I couldn't I didn't know why I didn't you know and I felt weird telling her that because you know that's kind of a big deal (laughs) and um somebody was killed in the parking lot of the place that she was working really like the next day or the day after and I was that just kind of made me jump when she told me us you know you just never know yeah it just something might come through as a message that is way more important than it seemed in the first place and yeah i guess you got to be kind of open to to that stuff too yeah i think it helps to yeah because you're sort of inviting those energies to to you know those messages Mm -hmm. to kind of flow through you so yeah, my wife won't let me have a Ouija board in the house at all. She says no. I wouldn't have one in my house either. <laughs> she, she I will say that. <laughs> She's like, my kid's like, well, can I get a pillow? Because we were going to get like a pillow just to kind of aggravate her. She says, you're going to waste your money. You bring that in the house, and I'm throwing it outside. <laughs> well, she's she might be a smart lady. I have, I have yeah. Some, some, yeah, my, my intuition about those. I don't know a whole lot about them, but my intuition is to stay away from that particular method of divination. Yeah. See, I, I've always, like, I mean, I've got a family graveyard right here. So this is my, my grandparents and my, my parents. It's and beautiful. it's stuff like, like the ghost stories have always fascinated me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, when, when my dad died, he was 54 years old. He got killed on his motorcycle. Oh, wow. And I had just went through... I had back surgery, my ex-wife left, and I was in the house. I was watching my son, but I was laid up because of my back. So I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, this like shadowy figure kind of moves in front of the door. And I'm, I'm like, okay, so I've I'm, I'm got my knife beside me. I, I kind of get up, I turn on a shower, and then I go look around the house, turn all the lights on looking for it. But, I mean, it just made all the hair stand up on my arm and on my neck. It's just one of those things that was so weird. Yeah. I mean, especially, I think our ancestors definitely look out for us. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're going through something like, you know, recovering from something like that, you'll find, or just playing music, channeling energy that way. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll sing with us. Now, (laughs) when you're speaking of music, let's get back to music because I'll ask you all day. And I know (laughs) you've got a Viking birth thing to go to tomorrow, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. We'll talk to tomorrow if if I let you. But the question I have is with your music like does this do you have like good stories from it are you kind of like a more folksy because of that or where do you kind of fit musically wise with your uh, stories you said stories stories and songs yeah i mean because oh, i'm a yeah. songwriter i know you are too so yeah well i actually um 
I've been writing for a much longer time because I I grew up in South Alabama. Okay. Um, my parents ran a newspaper that my granddaddy. Um, it was actually Harper Lee is from that town. To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh really? Was written about my hometown and and her daddy sold the newspaper to my granddaddy, and so um, I grew up running around that paper just. Uh, you know, I mean, they. I think my parents knew I wouldn't. They were passionate writers, and they knew I wasn't going to gain a whole lot of writing skills from the South Alabama public schools at the time. <laughs> and so, they just said uh, to my brother and I both. They said, you know, you, you, it's time for you to start writing your first column in the fourth grade. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I remember standing on a chair to punch the time clock. <laughs> <laughs> At least you get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe I had my wages garnished because uh, a hamster of mine had eaten through the washing machine cord. But that's, that's a separate story. <laughs> no, that's no, that's a story you brought that up. So what, a hamster. Uh, I can't remember if it was Ginger or Daisy because I had two hamsters and none of them went very well. <laughs> but, but one of them just broke the whole washing machine, chewed through the cord and... I know for a while, uh, my mom was like, I'm taking this out of your paycheck, which was like, <laughs> not very much. <laughs> but that, that's the same thing. Like, I have a pest control business, and I let the kids come, and they, they can't do chemicals, but they can help me dig the trench around the house. So I'll pay them, you know. And then my oldest son, who is uh, 24, he's actually in Warner Robins right now working with the Air Force, he would dig, and I'd give him like 20 bucks a job, but I'd make him buy his own breakfast, his own lunch, and if we worked late, I'd buy his dinner, you know, only he was working. So every time that, it was funny, every time that he had to pay for his stuff, it was always dollar menu stuff and cups of water. <laughs> every time I bought it for him, it was like the Big Mac meals, and I mean, it was yeah. like, like, I was like, come on, that's, but you know what, he is, he's very, he's very sturdy, so the lessons you get as a kid, they teach you a lot more than you realize. When you get older, you look back and they're funny stories, but. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That's so you you started in Alabama. That's how you started with your stories and, and and the newspaper and writing. Did it just naturally go to songwriting? Yeah, I think um, when I was probably in the sixth grade or so, I remember starting to write poetry, okay. and I remember thinking like, what am I going to do with poetry? You know, I, maybe even you know just because recognizing being in the the bit like in the newspaper people actually read that or, or did at the time um, <laughs> but the uh you know just thinking like what do you do with poetry and I in high school I listened to I would just study Bob Dylan's song okay. you know just do a lot of a lot of country road driving <laughs> listening mm-hmm. to Bob Dylan and just like dissecting all the lyrics in my mind and um you know, just seeing the, the beauty and all of that. And I never thought that that would come in so handy later writing songs because I didn't know mm-hmm. I'd be playing music or singing in front of people or anything. <laughs> so it kind of came together. And one of my, it, um, yeah, one of my songwriting partners, actually, uh, Josh Watson, who I play in the Grand Ole Uproar with, is, he has like an MFA in poetry. Oh, wow. And so... Learning and write, uh, learning and writing poetry, I think, is more useful than, than anybody will lead you to believe. Yes. Especially if you want to become a songwriter, because I've, I've seen those skills kind of add up. Now, did you just say you played on a Grand Ole Opry? 
Oh, no, no, no. Okay. It, the I, band is called the Grand Old Uproar. Uh, oh, okay. I thought you threw that like <laughs> casually. So, but like, that's a big deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, that's a band that I play banjo and, and sing backup vocals in with okay. him. How many bands are you part of? So, right now, I would say, I mean, there's, so, with my stuff, it's, it's often a rotating, you know, sometimes it'll be a duet, sometimes it'll be a trio, I'll mm-hmm. bring in, you know, a, a different play, bass player, or, um, so it kind of, that changes around, and then I'm in a folk duet called Magpie Thief, okay. with Maddie Sheets, and, um, where he mostly plays like slide guitar and I mostly play banjo and then uh, the grand old uproar I've been playing with a lot lately Um, and yeah that's like a six piece uh, yeah it's fun we got a Actually, it's, he added banjo and accordion during the pandemic. I was like, Josh, you trying to add all your social distancing instruments? <laughs> yep. How many instruments can you play? Um, I mean, the, for the most part, my, my main ones are guitar and banjo. But okay. I love to, you know, especially when you're writing, it's mm-hmm. so nice to, you know, to play on something different like I, I have you know mandolin a ukulele and a dobro at home and um a honk i'll call it a honk a lulu it's like a banjo lele i guess banjo lele um, i like the honk a lulu i like that word <laughs> yeah yeah i started calling that before i knew it had a name now see you got your banjo we're gonna just play a song here in just a second uh because you brought your banjo and your guitar have you seen the banjo tars that they have now the little six string banjos that are tuned? i have I, it's, that's such a strange invention. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess for a long time they've had banjo everything because there used to be banjo orchestras from the banjo bass all the way down to that honkalulu type thing. Uh-huh. And, um, so it makes sense that there would be something in that range, but it's, I'm just like, why would you not want your, I don't know, your bass strings to sound bassy on <laughs> I think we do guitar. it because I was like. I want to get one just because that way I, I don't have to learn the chord progressions of the banjo because I know it's, it's a little bit different fingering than that. So it's like, Yeah, it's, it's a, a little bit, but it's open G. It's, you can do it. <laughs> I want to cheat. I'd rather just cheat and not have to worry about it. Because when I learned to play guitar, I would finger pick, and I, I, can't, I can never play with a pick like everybody else when you first start. The pick goes flying. I cannot play with a flat pick to save my life. Right. I feel like my fingers are glued together. I'm like, why are you? <laughs> what is this? It does take a lot of the picking out of it when you try to do the pick. So I'd always, fin- I'd get in the dark and I'd finger pick. You know, I'd lay there with a the guitar on my chest mm-hmm. and I'd finger pick because I could hear the vibration. It's all about and listening, it. yeah. And then I just naturally know where it's at. Now with the pick, it kind of takes some of the individuality. Like I can't hit the, the notes as individual as I can finger picking because mm-hmm. I, I automatically know where they're at, where my thumb is. If I'm hitting the third string, I automatically go to it. But when the pick, you can't feel it. It's like, yeah, I get why they do it, but I mean, I, I, that's why. Actually, if I get a banjo, I'm gonna get a banjo tar because I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna go ahead and finger pick the banjo, <laughs> and not have to worry about it. Yeah, well, I found, uh, yeah, those finger picks are actually. I end up using what you might more often see on a banjo on the guitar, just because then you you have the sound of yeah. you know using a pick, but without having you, to have. Do you use those metal picks on the nails? Um, I use metal on banjo and then guitar i use 
think I'll use the plastic one on this finger and a okay. metal one on that one for some reason. Maybe because it falls off. I can't use those finger picks like that because I, I have a weird, weird thing about my nails being messed with. Like mm. uh, you get like take me to, like my my mom, my wife's military, so she doesn't do her nails. But my ex-wife would get nails, and the filing of the nails just gives me like the heebie-jeebies. I can't I can't deal with it. So I guess it's just a weird thing about my nails. So when I put those things, the finger pick, as soon as it pulls back on my nail, it just, I just, I start freaking out. Like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, so I was like, I mean, I'll start getting chills and I'll just, I'll completely stop doing what I'm doing. I was like, oh, okay, I quit. Yeah. I always end up fussing at the people at the music store when I go to buy picks because they're, you know, the only ones that you can, um, or at least for Lady sized fingers, what I've found is you have to use kids' picks. So you're yeah. always like, oh, you need some of those kitty picks, hon. I'm like, why can't y'all just make a <laughs> lady's banjo pick? Is that right. so hard? That's, you know what, that's what we're going to have to do. I'm going to have to find a way to make lady banjo picks and then sell it and make like a million dollars. Yeah, I've thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I've, if I ever have some extra money laying around, I'm going to start a a company that makes lady banjo picks and guitars that do not have volume knobs in places where boobs go. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of female musicians will be very happy about that. <laughs> yes, they will. Because <laughs> that's probably more of a problem for women, I assume. Than men. <laughs> yeah. I think they need one more for beer bellies. So that's, you know, a guitar that kind of just fits over the beer belly. They, that's for the men. <laughs> That is funny. That is too funny. Let's get a song on that. On that note, let's do a song. <laughs> My friend, Laura Jane Vincent, who also did the um, Georgia, North Carolina Songbirds uh, competition, she she was there this night, so she knows what I'm talking about. This was a, a sound man that we had to put up with. <laughs> <laughs> With my friends And I've met many sound men With glazed eyes and loose lips But what we went through Friday night About made my hair curl The hardest thing I've had to do Was putting up with squirrels Putting up with squirrel, putting up with squirrel. I blessed his heart, held my tongue like they teach us southern girls. Putting up with squirrel. Squirrel was handsy, squirrel was mean. It takes a lot to 
guys can't see her being it is nice, a funny song it's a good but if you guys get to see the passion coming off and, and the whole the whole show that you're doing right now is just hilarious and i have to is, is that story all true oh yeah oh, i usually try to change the names of the guilty but when the guilty just has a really good name <laughs> squirrel you're saying squirrel right yeah okay there's not much you can do about it <laughs> No, that's like goodbye, Earl. No squirrel. I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say on that one. So tell the story for for the song itself. I mean, so we showed up. I mean, I was uh, we were playing the show with Megan Jean and uh, my buddy Maddie Sheets, uh, his band, and then I was playing with the trio. And and it was just as soon as we showed up, my. Uh, guitar player's friend was standing there he said well I can't wait to see what happens when you get up there because he's already had his hands all over the male members of your oh my lord. <laughs> like, oh lord so squirrel was in rare form and I warned him because I mean he just kept like he was just out of it he was on something and uh you know he would get the sound just right and then he would accidentally swipe his hand across the iPad and just <laughs> screw it all up and we'd have to start over and do a new sound check and uh, he, you know I mean in his defense I think there was a new sound system that night but I was like I've seen you do better squirrel I, <laughs> I know it can be done <laughs> um, and I, I told him I was because uh, the two acts after me I was like I, just so you know I have a much longer fuse <laughs> than than the acts to follow, so you might want to get it together a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this a place that you play regularly? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was at the Flatiron in Green, and I will say they don't. I don't think he's he's 
there anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a place that we used to play back in the day, and then they kind of reopened under yep. new ownership recently. So That's funny. <laughs> See, I like stories from the road because that to me, like everybody thinks like when you're, when you're playing music out professionally, it's all – like it's glamorous it's not it's not i mean it's it's funny like i, I know people that are they're, they're played in like actual signed band but you go see them and they look like hobos when they're not there because they're doing all this other stuff and it's just it's funny because it, it, the stories they tell and the stories that you're telling and like i said it's I, I love those that's what songwriting to me has always been about you know because you're telling a story and if, 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 kids always give you good stories because they're going to say whatever comes to mind. Drunks always give you good stories. Yeah. Because they're going to, because they don't remember what they're doing. And then just general life on the road is just it's hilarious. Um, yeah. There's, there's always some wild stuff that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so tell people then that, like I said, you, you've been doing this for how long? Uh, I guess about 10 years, 10 give years. or take. Something like that. Uh, what have you learned in your 10 years of experience so far? I think the most important lesson is that the, the song reigns supreme. Whatever you can do to do justice to the song, which is its own organism. Like, yeah. we are just servants on that level to this, this thing that, you know, is really... Uh, has its own spirit that we're supposed to sort of translate for people. Now you got an old kind of old vibe about you. I'm sure you hear that a lot. Like an old soul. Like an old soul. Like it's a seventy. There's there's a lady that's coming to my mind, and I can't think of her name right now. So it's going to drive me crazy. This whole interview, I'm thinking like, I know who is this woman? She reminds me of because it's 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 not Brenda Lee. It's but it's in that that style and that genre mm. of it. It just reminds me of it, and it's like. Maybe I, th- I don't know. Maybe you got a little red land in you. Is what it, oh, I love her. Just maybe because of spunk. Not quite much the sound, but the spunk and the attitude that you have behind playing. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I could just see her coming up here saying the same thing that you're saying. I would just be dying laughing at the same attitude. Yeah, so I listened to a lot of her growing up. My uncle ran the country radio station, and so okay. I did a lot of making biscuits in the kitchen with my grandma and hearing those old classic country tunes come through. Who's some of your favorite influences in this kind of helped you guide um, to where you are? Yeah, I would say, well, a lot of that, that older stuff I just mentioned, Hank Williams, um, uh, Kitty Wells, Loretta, Patsy Cline, um, and then like Odetta, Mississippi, John Hurt. Um, yeah, a lot of folks that were you know, there's uh, Emmylou Harris. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of Alabama musicians in there, actually, because I just can resonate um, with their style. As far as more contemporary stuff, I really love Jason Isbell, the Secret Sisters. Mm-hmm. They're all from up uh, near where I went to high school, up on the Tennessee River. Okay. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I've always appreciated music that just has that that. Um, timeless vibe to it. Yeah, and I think a songwriter is kind of that's what you. I think you want to strive for is making songs that people can relate to and look back in years. Like when I grew up, the the music I would listen to is like the Eagles, Love the Eagles, mm-hmm. Bad Company, Hank Jr. I listen oh, to all yeah. that kind of country wise. It would be more outlaw country, you know, like Merle Haggard, mm-hmm. all that stuff, Chris Christopherson, oh, yeah. all that stuff. I love oh, yeah. that stuff. Um, 
and then in the rock because but everything comes to my voice is country so the uh, same thing with your voice i mean you've got your own country country swirl to it i don't see you do much more besides that but where do you see your music like in 10 years do you you still st- playing music what do you see yourself doing oh i i mean i don't think i can never stop this is it's not just my uh what I do it's my mm-hmm. mental health plan it's my <laughs> 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 may pick the wrong thing because this, this mental health part of it is it will get to you yeah well just writing and singing are so you know crucial I think to I, I, I just had you know I think that's why I started streaming so much during the pandemic because mm-hmm. we weren't you know nobody was really playing out especially at first yeah um and it was just it just felt like survival. Okay, we will keep. I mean, I probably wrote during that time more songs in the last year than I have in my whole time of playing. Really? Like, and um, yeah, at least like twenty or so, maybe more than that. Oh, wow. Now, you said that you've been you've been writing that way too, right? For for so long, have you found? Is it harder now to like do like that? We were talking a little bit about it earlier, but the the streaming part of it. Do you do you like doing that as much, or is it kind of weird to sit there in front of like a phone and, and sing? It was really weird at first. It it definitely took some getting used to. And I'm not. Um, one thing about me is I have terrible vision, so I can't like see people's comments. There's just no way that I can even like interact and know that they're there mm-hmm. you know it's it's so um I it, that took a lot of getting used to I really um I did start to appreciate it just you know as a way of um as a ritual you know um and it kept me like learning and playing all the new songs and um I have like over the I kind of have taken a break for I guess you know since maybe mid-April when I started realizing ah oh, I'm like every day I'm trying to stream there's I'm playing a show out somewhere else and so I I needed a break from it but I've started thinking lately it would be good to do you know like one a month or something like that just to uh because it and it was a good way to connect with people far away too I mean my parents live so far away that they hadn't heard me play very much and uh connect with family and my mom said she went down to our hometown in South Alabama and a lot of people from there from Monroeville were but you know said oh we listen to Emily every week and I you know it's it's cool to to be able to kind of uh like spread the music far and wide yeah. in that sense Matt does that that's kind of when, when I did the um the Georgia versus series it started because the first was Tennessee was last year mm-hmm. and it started because of covid hit nobody would come into the show or come into the gazebo and i got that because it was new everybody was scared and they didn't know what to think yeah so i was like that's fine so i so said i gotta get content out so I, that's also what happened with the um the countdown started that way but i did that one two years yeah i guess two years i guess it was before covid then so no i, I did it because what i wanted to do for for that was the first was georgia versus tennessee and i wanted to have everybody come together on like a stage. I wanted to do it live, but mm-hmm. that didn't work because I think COVID just started at that time. Yeah. So I said, okay, well then let's do an online thing because that's everybody can see it. And the response I got from just the first one was crazy. And then I said, okay, well, let's do another. Let's do another Georgia versus series. Who can I do now? 
So I knew a couple people from North Carolina. I knew Sydney Rose. She was North Carolina. Um, I met Colin. He reached out to me. And then I met all you guys. And I'm telling you, this, this series this year has been bigger than last year. I mean, I got sponsors put in for this year. You guys, so the final four got paid, which thank you, Colin, if you're listening, because yes, you helped me out Colin, a lot. Yeah, he with, really. With them. I mean, I had people from North Carolina papers calling me. They wanted to do interviews. I did interviews for them. I had a Georgia of here around Cherokee that that did it because they wanted to, again, they wanted to put the put it out there. And I was like, that's so so cool that it just it grew out. And I, I hope you guys got people. I hope you got something from it too. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a and also just a great way to connect with other musicians from Mm -hmm. here that we might not know. I knew most of the North Carolina folks, but a couple were new to me. And then just, I mean, just it makes you realize how much talent is just like right here and right there. You know? Oh (laughs) yeah, and it's it's so close. I mean, like William from North Carolina Mm -hmm. is so funny. Like, yeah. my daughter loves his music. She was watching him. I said, watch this, because he did something with a piano, and his voice, he went from his higher, where he sings higher, oh, yeah. to lower. And I'm like, that's not him. <laughs> What's he doing? I mean, it's it was so crazy. You All you guys were so good. Thank you for doing that, by Absolutely. The way. So, and uh, even though North Carolina won, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told us. I was joking when I first started. I was like, nobody tell my mama I'm, like, competing against Georgia because <laughs> her whole side of the family is from here. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. So, like, I do different states each year. That's what I wanted to do, like, to reach out. So, I'm thinking, like, for next year, maybe do Alabama or oh, yeah. Kentucky or Florida or somewhere. I mean, I've had people from Arkansas mention it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pennsylvania, I've had I know a couple in Pennsylvania. But they're bluesy. There's a lot of blues up in Pennsylvania, which is fine. I don't care what kind of music you play. You music is music i love all genres of music yeah you know? so i'm curious how it's, how it's, how to work yeah i could probably connect a few folks probably in pennsylvania or alabama so okay yeah i'll probably reach out next year because i mean i thought about like doing again in north carolina so we could win because you know <laughs> but you guys killed us i mean it was so it was like the first year i didn't expect you know I, I did it and i'm playing with you guys i'm like okay here's this guy's final four I, the way I, I matched you guys up was by your followers on Facebook. That's the only way I could find it fair, was the first, you know, who, who's this and who's that. You guys almost wiped the whole crowd out of Georgia in the first round. I'm like, oh, my oh. God. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my. Your North Carolina fans are crazy about you guys. So they love you guys, and I'm glad to see that everybody's getting to play, and, and you have such a following. So tell people how you, how you do it. I mean, because you had a big following, too. Um. Yeah, it was – so it – it was a big uh, leap for me because that honestly like it's not my favorite kind of contest I I would you know I'm more like okay put my songs in front of some judges and they'll tell us if it's good or not (laughs) but but to do yeah like where you're really relying on support from folks so I was kind of blown away I I don't totally understand but you know it was it's good to kind of put yourself in a place of uh, you know asking you know people to support this and share this too because yeah. i'm i'm always hesitant to ask anybody for anything so. most musicians are and and that's kind of where that's why i set it up i mean i wanted to make it fair for everybody mm-hmm. so i thought okay well then a view everybody's gonna say they're gonna view but you gotta reach out and get people to share it like the first year we did it one guy got banned from facebook because he shared it so much 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe I okay, I gotta maybe I gotta put a little bit of string on it. A little, little. this year did no problem like that. You guys shared it to everybody you're supposed to. Um, nobody complained, nobody blocked you, so that that was fine. But that is a thing that I think musicians ha- have a problem with is okay, this is this is what I do. Will you support me? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, not a lot of people are going to live shows. It's it's one of those things that's starting to make its way back around, but it's different in every state. Like Georgia, it's pretty it's getting pretty pretty heavy. People love to go out. It really never it slowed down some because it had to. Yeah. But it didn't slow down as much as it's probably like New York. You know. Yeah, and North Carolina had I mean we had stricter rules than a lot of the southeastern mm-hmm. states, which you know in some ways I appreciated. But um, but yeah, it, it did make you know I was doing some outdoor stuff which i was really glad i got hooked in with the the grand old uproar because they were booking a lot of outdoor stuff which is you know now we know that that's a lot safer than we may have thought in the beginning (laughs) but um but yeah it was i think it was a good a good timing too because i rarely before you know last march i rarely would post a video or you know like a lot of what i posted was just promoting live shows but Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people who followed my page, you know, were probably like, oh, we should go see her sometime. We have no idea what she sounds like. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, you know, didn't really think to do that very much. So it's it's been, yeah, a good sort of education in, in doing the digital end of things. Well, that's the only way you honestly can do it is if you don't self-promote yourself, it's not going it, to – it's harder to get noticed if you're not promoting yourself. Because the way they look at it, I think, is that – if you don't care enough to promote yourself, why should they? Mm-hmm. You know, and then, but also I think that the other problem on it is that you can promote other people too. Like I, I'm a songwriter. I play in a band, but I didn't even, I didn't get in the competition. I was like, okay, I'll let you guys do it. I'll pick eight Georgia, which always fills up fast. I put it out there and boom, in like, in like 30 minutes, <laughs> I have eight people and I have other people like, well, if they drop out, yeah, you can do it. And then it's always finding the other ones. But I'm, I'm bad about it too. Like for my band is I, I don't take pictures. I don't set up my camera for live stream because I'm too busy getting the music stuff set up that I don't think about it. And then my wife won't go to the show, so I don't have anybody to record for me. Yeah, I mean, if it's, you know, three times a week, that gets to be a lot. (laughs) It's like, okay, I've heard these songs. (laughs) Now, do you play, you play covers too, I assume, right? I do. Yeah, I don't do a lot of just straight cover gigs, but I'll do... You know, if I'm filling three hours, I might, you know, throw in a lot of uh, tunes that kind of fit with the vibe of my, you know, some John Prine and a lot of Bob Dylan, some Loretta. Yeah. Is there one that you do that maybe people wouldn't think that you do? Do you throw in a weird, like, Weird Alley song or Pretty song or? (laughs) Oh, so the one that I did most recently... um, that I I never probably would have done, but I so enjoyed learning was "Murder in the Bre- the Red Barn" by Tom Waits. Okay, um, that one is just like super creepy, but it's <laughs> you know I love singing in a minor key, and we did a we actually did a performance like a Tom Waits uh, the Vagabond Saints Society okay. in, in Winston Salem did a Tom Waits tribute with uh, where Mitchell the guy that was playing Tom Waits they started a whole tour. And he had a heart attack on stage the first night. Oh, wow. And so we were, luckily, he, he died on stage and and rose from the dead. <laughs> and we were able to do a, uh, so I did that for the, the big, like, 
you know, okay, we're going to really do this this time after that, which I thought was brave of him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, I can't imagine. There, there was a, another songwriter that, that he actually died on stage, and people thought it was part of the act, and they realized it wasn't. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, it was a songwriter, though. He'd been doing it for years and years and years, like 70 or 80 years old. I think, yeah, it happened in the last year or two. Mm-hmm. I Yeah. I can't remember the name either, but I think I know who you're talking about. Because I think I think with songwriters, that's that's the best thing about like artists. You got a short window, unless you're like George Strait or you know Alan Jackson, somebody who can just have 20, 30 years in the business. Most of them, they got maybe a 10-year window that they they have to notch out for themselves. Songwriters, you can do it for as long as you're able to write. That's a good point. Yeah, I, that's why I like about it. I mean, I'd I'd rather be a songwriter than the artist. What about you? Do you prefer to be the songwriter, the artist? I like doing both. Doing both. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the thing that that gets me excited about writing it is is I can't wait to sing it. You know, mm-hmm. if if it feels like it's a good one coming through, but um, but yeah, it's it's always nice too to, you know, ha- uh, when I co-write with other people and then hear their version of it mm-hmm. that that's always really cool too that is so much fun that's like i i have a thing that we do for songwriting a group and that's one of the exercises you bring in a song and let somebody else sing it mm-hmm. because it, you hear it different oh yeah because i mean i'll write songs like if i was write a song for for you i obviously wouldn't sound good singing it so i'd, I'd have to say okay here emily you play this and this is mm-hmm. more for your style like it doesn't do good for me you know and i love co-writing that's what i think a part of it is now, do you do you like to, you mentioned co-writing? Do you like co-writing? Is that one of your? I do. Okay. Um, I would during the the pandemic, um, my buddy Josh from the Uproar and I would get together and start a fire in his backyard and uh, and do some writing every week, and that that was nice too because I've um, I've I've been doing this thing called the Monday Morning 3 a.m. Music Club, which is great, but there's no co-writing allowed. So I, I do find like whenever I you know, drop out of the round on that and have a few weeks free. I'm like, who can I write with now? <laughs> <laughs> and I, see, I think that's part of a songwriter that I think Georgia, that's, that's kind of where they, the problem with Georgia has right now, some of them. Not everybody that way, obviously, but it's a mentality. Like, if you go to Nashville, you're automatically, you get, when you get in the door, you better start co writing. Mm-hmm. And I know people get scared about doing it, but really, it's once you get over that little bit of fear of like, okay, I'm showing my, my music to somebody. It's not that bad. Now, sometimes it doesn't work, obviously. Like, you'll write a song with somebody, and it, complete, it could be completely not where you want it to go, and you just go, okay, it didn't work. Next, go to the next person, and you write something else. Yeah. Or you write a song about a squirrel <laughs> <laughs> out of it. So, well, let's, let's get another song out of you. Okay. What, what do you want to play this time? Uh, so, this one is called Sunrise in Biloxi, and okay. it's uh, it's about an experience I had as a child, actually. Um my mama and my aunt and uh you know grandma and cousin we would all go down to Biloxi it was it was a real short drive from Monroeville where I grew up and they had the, all the gambling river boats there and my granny went there too <laughs> fun yeah it was fun for them and it was fun for the kids because basically you you know they I guess they have an area set up for the kids where you can kind of gamble for candy all day <laughs> playing arcade games and stuff you're like i'm gonna win some praline pecans we always, <laughs> we always took our camper and stayed like at the campgrounds and then they would go gambling and biloxi i remember that because we'd either go to biloxi or, or pigeon forge 
That's the only two places we'd go. Uh, well, that's not true because we'd go to Florida and then we'd go to Myrtle Beach. That's kind of our rotation, those four. Mm. Every year we'd go to one of those places. <laughs> but I remember Biloxi because Granny would always go gambling. Yeah. I couldn't gamble, so I'm sitting there <laughs> playing in the old arcades, and like you said, so much fun. All right, let's get to your song. Yeah. It reminded me of what you said that. Yeah, so this one was one about a lady that uh, I had I had seen on the street there as a kid, and some memories just stick in your head, and I wondered, I've always wondered about her, so I looked inside her head a little bit.
Drive me crazy. Nothing. Can you think of the person you sound like? You just you got that <laughs> that sound. I'm like, who is this? It's gonna drive me crazy. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna find out later. I'm like, all right, Emily. I'm gonna send this. This is who I'm talking about. Yeah. Did you get compared to anybody? Uh, I feel like there's a lot of people try to, and it, yeah, it's uh, I mean, I think every female musician who has ever played out gets a lot of. Oh, you sound like Natalie Merchant, or you sound like. Uh, one time I played a funeral, and the priest told me that I sounded like Janis Joplin before the whiskey and cigarettes. <laughs> I was like, "How does anybody know what she sounded like before the whiskey and cigarettes?" <laughs> see, I know some people like when you when they say, "Oh, you sound like so and so," they get upset about it. I don't see that as an upset. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, somebody I told mean, me one time when I was like. I mind like a Sturgill Simpson. I'm like, well, thank you. That's that's really awesome. I, that doesn't bother me. I mean, oh yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's it's informative too. You yeah. know, because a lot of times it's somebody I never would have thought of. Or, yeah. yeah. I think it shows you how much music goes together hand in hand. Like they obviously don't know like Emily's. They're, they're learning Emily. Okay, but they in their minds like, well, she reminds me of somebody. So now you can kind of connect it, and you can kind of personalize mm-hmm. you a little bit more that's how i do it anyway it's like oh, okay but it's driving me crazy because i like i know who it is and i can't think i can't i have to go back and listen to some old country <laughs> and it's like i'm gonna find it that's my mission i'm gonna find out who the hell you remind me of because i like your style that's what i'm saying basically um, is this is older country i mean I, I love that stuff i think it should be played more i know a lot of people like if radio now you don't hear much older country you just don't unfortunately I like it. I think it'll come back some way, shape, or form. But there's also bluegrass stuff. Do you do any bluegrass? Um, so I guess some some of my earlier stuff, people would would say that. But honestly, I don't know if they just see a banjo and think. Uh, you yeah, know, they, do. they just make the association. But, um, yeah, there's some – I feel like there's some stuff that maybe uh, has, like – like that, there's a song called Kitty Bird's Lead I wrote recently that has kind of like almost an Irish lilt, but it could it could fit in that yeah. category sort of, and it's you know about catching crawdads by the creek and stuff. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's like a New Orleans style. You need to make it New Orleans style. Put some jazz. Mm-hmm. And some, now I love putting like saxophones in music. Oh, I yeah. love saxophones and things like electric guitar and saxophone. That would be my whole band. I would just do that. That's how I would set it up. And honestly, if you know who John Cafferty is, you ever heard of John Cafferty? That's familiar. Have you ever yeah. seen the movie Eddie and the Cruisers? I'm bad at movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, everybody's heard his podcast. They've heard me say it. John Cafferty Band is the guys that did the music in, the, in that movie. Oh. They, they were playing the music, and then the other guys were singing and lip syncing to it. 
but they did like 50s rock and he put saxophones. They kind of blended it together. And to me, that was so cool mm-hmm. how they did that. And I was like, okay, well, let me let me see how I can blend it into it because that's what that's what I like. I like hearing saxophone music. I know it's not typical country and it's not southern rock, but to me, good music is good music. I mean, you can find it any style. Like, like your style isn't rock, but I love your style. It's great. And I wish you guys could see her when she's performing um, because you're so into it. It's like a whole different personality. <laughs> Like, I was going to ask, did you ever do, like, any acting classes or anything like that? So, yeah, I did, um, I did some, like, throughout middle school and high school, did some acting stuff. I did forensics and, um. Wait a minute, for, like, science forensics? No, it's, it's like, there's two sides to it, because there's, like, if you're on a forensics team in high school, there's, like, the debate side, but then there's also dramatic interpretation of, like, poetry or prose or plays and that okay. that's the part i was into so that was basically like acting okay do you think that helped you helps you like perform or anything like that yeah i think um yeah especially just i mean just having the experience you know getting up in front of people being the only person in the front of the room and knowing that like somebody's judging you and <laughs> you know um yeah i think i think it was really good in that respect and also for because acting is so much uh, so similar in one way to the practice of writing too, because you're putting yourself so deeply in someone else's shoes that if you start writing a song about a particular character, you know, like like Bonnie in that song, who I didn't know, I just saw her on the street, mm-hmm. but you can sort of insert yourself in, and you're like suddenly you're doing a character study on, you know, you're really um, capturing the spirit of somebody, um, whether you're acting. And something someone else has written, or if you're you're writing something from scratch, that's good advice for people too. Because I think that songwriters, even artists, more, probably more for artists, because it's you're always trying to find a way to connect with the audience. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can, I didn't think about it. Like the one guy told me, he thought about when he writes the senses. So can you smell it? Can you hear it? Can you touch it? Mm-hmm. When you write, I was like, that's a pretty cool perspective. And now you're talking about like character diving into it it's like that's really cool too because i'll just like me i'll put up the guitar and i'll play a rhythm and it's like oh that sounds good what does it sound what does the music say to me as i'm playing it you know so mm-hmm. like i'll write a song it's may not be anything new in my life some of them are obviously because you know you're right but i write so much sometimes i got to come up with a story so i was like okay let's do this one today yeah. and that's how i do it i never thought about like character yeah it's like the same questions that they tell you to ask in an acting class like okay why is she doing this like was is she you know upset with somebody in her life has she had a bad day has she like lost her job you know Mm -hmm. see that and that goes to the story of the song and i think it's so important and i know a lot of people want the hook and they want it to be catchy but to me i love stories and songs i always do and that's why it's like when you tell a story before a song i love that part of it because I, I want to know. Now, I'll get my own interpretation as I listen to it. Mm-hmm. But to kind of get a general idea of where it's at, I, I like that. That's just me personally. I, mean, yeah. I know some people just want to dance and groove. But I, I like the stories. Of I it. have friends who say, you know, ne- never tell what a song's about or who it's about. <laughs> like That's the whole thing. You know, I mean, there might be some that you don't want to share the whole story. <laughs> but. Okay, now that you brought that up, you have to tell me one. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to think, though. Um, 
Well, there's, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there was one that I wrote, like, while I was going through, uh, the breakup of a business partnership that, you know, I had actually started talking to a friend at a, uh, who was in town from like Oregon or somewhere. And I said, okay, I'll tell you all my secrets. Cause you're from out of town. Cause I couldn't talk about it to anybody. And so, yeah, I was, you know, for stuff like that, you know, I may just continue to keep that <laughs> <laughs> under wraps. Fair enough. Yeah. I always like, like I'll write a song and then, my wife's kind of got used to the idea now that it's not it's not about our life sometimes because some of it's sad. She goes, "What are you so sad?" I'm like, "I'm not sad. I promise." I said, "It's just I'm, that's what I'm playing on a guitar." Yeah, I just happened to play a minor chord while I was writing. I love minors. <laughs> that I made love me minor feel chords. a certain way. A minor every time. <laughs> a minor. I think B minor is the love song, the love note. So you start mm, on B minor and you're yeah. like never going to dance again. So it's <laughs> careless whisper was on. It's in B minor stuff. So I love that kind of music. Well, thank you for coming up here, Emily. Absolutely. So tell everybody where they can find you at, all your social media and stuff. So I just, um, I have a new website about to launch, uh, just like upgraded everything. And uh, that will probably be online sometime this week. So I'll just go ahead and say uh, yeah. com, okay. And then um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Both of those are under Emily Stewart Music. And um you know, there's some stuff on SoundCloud. There's a, a single called Root to Heart on Bandcamp. Okay. Do you have, like, a music distribution that you use, like Spotify, iTunes? Are you on any of that stuff, too? Um, right now, I'm just on Bandcamp, but that, okay. that's going to change soon because it needs to. Do you have, like, an album out or anything that you're doing, or you just do Right now, I have play? a single. I have two EPs that I did with Magpie Thief. Okay. Um, and those are the main things that are available online right now. Okay. Uh, the Magpie Thief Bandcamp as well would be a good place to look. I got you. So like I told you, if you want to put, uh, send me a song, any, any yeah. song, I'll put it at the end too. Uh, and then, like I said, the countdown. I wanted everybody that was in the Georgia versus North Carolina, please feel free to do the weekly oh, yeah. countdown. So if, if you know what that is, it's uh, every week we do um, 14 songs. Mm-hmm. I introduce four new ones, and then people vote on them. And you get the top ten. Now the voting thing is again, it's all self promotion. I set it up so that you have to do all the work. I give you all the the um, and anybody listening, if you want part of it too, is all you do is there's a I make a poll, and then there's like multiple people you can vote for as many people as you want. If you like six of them, and you like vote oh, for nice. six, um, and then it goes like from week to week. So you have a week to to actual vote, and then I don't collaborate i just go i pull the numbers off and then top 10 boom they move on four new songs are introduced so it's fun and it's a way like i said i set it up so that you would have to you have to promote it you know and then you have to get people to vote because a lot of times some of the best songs don't stay in but a week and it's because they don't promote it now i mm-hmm. get it everybody's busy musicians are busy people so it's all about just exposure and that's yeah. kind of what I wanted to do for everybody, especially the people in the contest that actually sat with me as we figured out how to do this stuff online again because I forgot over a year. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, yeah, how do you get it? Yeah, go on this page and, and do this. So I thought to keep you guys in the loop and let you guys do songs too. So I always move those guys up a little quicker because I do have like two – I can show you the list. I have like 200 songs that have been sent to me for – for the countdown i'm like i'll get to you i only put four in a week i promise it's gonna take time do the math four and, yeah you know, that's and awesome 
I never put more than one person in at a time. Like, so if you have one song, you can't put two in the countdown. Yeah. It's, it's just fair. So, like, right now, Kevin Mack is in, uh, and Ryan Johnson is in. Yeah, I saw his was up there. He had it. Voting a little bit. <laughs> yeah, vote. Everybody vote. Yeah. And you can vote more than once. The way I set it up, it's I think you can vote once per day. I'm not sure. I'm not really good with the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get there, but I'm just too old and set my ways to really pay attention to it. So, I was like, here you go. Oh, well, they can do this. And then do I was like, look, this is the most fair and easy way I can do it. You guys take care of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've had a good time. Yeah. I'm it's glad you're talking to you. It is so fun. Now, I, I know you probably haven't listened to, to the actual podcast as much because you've just been introduced me, to me for, what, about a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. So I always ask a question uh, for every guest. You have to tell me a hidden talent. Oh. And we know about your tarot reading and we know about your. Uh, the, uh, I can't even remember the name of it now. The of uh, energy work. Yes, <laughs> and beating people with forks. We all know that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, this one's kind of trivial and silly, but I could say the alphabet backwards really fast. Okay. And now you have to do it. Z y x w v u t s r q p o n m l k j i h g f e d c b a. Okay. You say so. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna listen. I'm like. Okay, she's right. Oh, she missed the letter. That's a good that's a good thing to have you have to get pulled over and rolled and drunk. All right, so you have to bet. Oh, and just do it backwards. Isn't that handy? Yeah, even if I yeah. So I'm gonna let you do one more song. You wanna do it live? Sure, yeah. Okay. And um yeah, I know I teach you by bringing the banjo, but I might I kinda wanna do this that, this old country fine. blues tune called Honey in the Cornbread. I love the titles. <laughs> yeah, my grandma had a rule. She's uh, her eleventh commandment <laughs> uh, was that you, you, thou shalt not put honey in the cornbread except on the Lord's day. So this is all about wanting something you can't have, like honey in the cornbread in the middle of the week. So let me get some levels on you real quick, and then okay. I'll go live and introduce yourself, tell anybody like where they can find you, stuff like that. Oh, that's well. what you meant by live. Yeah, gotcha. oh, I'm going to go live on Facebook if you want. If you're, yeah, you're totally. Okay. Yeah, I just about didn't realize what you meant. Yeah, some people were like, they don't want to do a live, so I was like, that's fine. I said, but let me get your levels so that I can, once I get start recording, I can't touch the volumes anymore. Mm-hmm. So play me a little bit. Now, I will ask you a question while I'm doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You talk about, like, your social media stuff. Is Do you have one that works better, maybe, than the other ones? You mean like for getting the word out? or Yeah, for getting the word out. For I I like Instagram because you can just share it to everything at once. Okay. Um, that, yeah, that just works well because I'm not very good about, you know, <laughs> spending too much time on there. So. Do you do TikTok? Uh I need to, st- <laughs> I, yeah, I need to start one. I have like maybe two. I haven't <laughs> been able to convince myself to take on another social media account. It's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard too because musicians, everybody else will take a break from like Facebook or Instagram or whatever every once in a while and musicians don't really get a break. So it's like, oh, I got to add another thing. <laughs> yes. And and like I said, I, I'm I'm horrible with it anyway. So like when we get any any new social media like i, I put a tiktok because it's up there but i only i just put it on my kids doing like horseback riding and stuff so <laughs> i don't know and jumping in the leaves that was that's what i did <laughs> well you sometimes you get a wider audience <laughs> <laughs> all right let me go ahead and start this and then i'll flip it over to you hey y'all i'm emily stewart mm. from or 
from Alabama, but living in Greens, based in Greensboro, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, and go ahead and take it away. All right. Oh, every time you smile, boy, yes, you're special, kind of sweet. I can in the point. Yeah. 
anybody where they can find you at? Uh, Emily Stewart Music on Facebook and Instagram and emilystewartmusic.com. Thanks, y'all. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good, good way to sort of build some yes. <laughs> interest All right. when it does come out. So we are, you're good, you're going to play it. All right. So thank you again for coming up. Yeah, thank you. And I think the rain, which wasn't supposed to come, is coming. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering if it was going to start right in the middle of that song. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's nice. <laughs> it so, depends. Now, I, like I said, I'm building a studio down there, so when it does rain, I'll have people that can come inside and they can play oh, in there. Nice. So or when it gets really cold. So Yeah, this is a cool place. Yes, well, thank you. And again, thank you for coming here. I know you got family you want to go see, so I won't hold you up anymore. Thanks for having me out. No you problem. have a great evening. All right, everybody. That was Emily Stewart. This was the Georgia Songbirds. Yeah.